0: It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's
1: Bigfooty final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now. Hey there, it's Timmy Manor and welcome to the spirit of sport right here on 1170 SEN. Joining me tonight like he does every single week. It's my man, Benny Little. Yes. Oh, we do some amazing things on this show, don't we, Benjamin? Yeah, we sure do. We talk some incredible sporting figures. uh, And right now, tonight, we've got a very, very special guest. He's a member of one of the most legendary and well-known families in rugby league and Orange. Uh, Across his 10-year career, he played just under 150 games of professional rugby league, highlighted by winning the uh, 2013 NRL Premiership with the Sydney Roosters. Tonight, my guest on The Spirit of Sport it's NRL player and Premiership winner, Daniel Mortimer.
0: Wow, uh, I've got to get you to follow me around and give me that intro <laughs> everywhere. Yeah, I'm more than
1: happy to, mate. How are you, mate? It's been a long, long, long time.
0: It has, mate, unfortunately. Yeah, a bit too long, but um, no, nah, very well, mate. I'm parked out here in Orange and uh, enjoying the next
1: chapter of life, mate. Absolutely loving it. Talk to me about Orange. Yeah, what's it like to be back there? You, you grew up there, did you?
0: Yeah, yeah, well moved out when I was three, so that's all I've known. But um, yeah, Dad set up camp out here after his career and uh, planted the uh, bought, a little, bought a little farm and planted the uh, the vineyard. And um, yeah, now it's obviously grown to a winery, which um, Dad work, and I'm lucky enough to be back uh, working the family winery with him. So uh, really enjoying the next little chapter at the moment. It's uh, it's been a long ride actually, right. longer than footy, but um, it's good to be back where it all started.
1: Some of my fondest memories are in that the old Mortimers Winery, uh, the old. <laughs> Me, you, my brother Johnny, Ants, Mitchell, Dominic Nassau, some, some of the greats uh, had some good times in that place. Doing what, like playing Scrabble,
2: stuff like that? Yeah,
1: yeah. No, no, not <laughs> – obviously, we're only, we're only 18, 19. Obviously, I'm not drinking the wine then. Um,
0: <laughs> no, I, I uh, opened the boys, uh, the Sydney boys, um, eyes up to a brand new world.
1: Um, the <laughs> boys loved Very sophisticated 18-year-olds uh, we country were. country boys. I remember when <laughs> Morty be living in Para and would, uh, we'd go out for a night, whatever. And we'd come back home, and he'd find his his stash of Mortimers of orange. Which, oh. yeah, you're you're a young kid on a limited budget, Yeah. so that was a go-to. And I just remember vivid memories of Daniel with red mouth, red teeth, yes. red shirt, red skin. <laughs> um, Indulgence. Now, talk to me. Uh, Jules is uh, so. Those that don't know the the amazing Julie Mortimer is Daniel's mother. Mother. <laughs> um, she's got her own her own label of Mortimers. Jules. Oh
2: yeah.
1: Uh, and Jules too. It's a they're, they're <laughs> <laughs> premium wine. Are, are, any chance of you getting a, a wine named after you, mate?
0: Oh, no, I'm pretty funny on the list, mate. I'm the fourth son. And, uh, no, I think Jules um, obviously grew up in a house with five, six boys. So um, the least we could do is name a wine after. So dad, dad got a few brownie points for that one. Yeah, but, yeah, um, well played, Pete. Yeah. Dad, dad says, on, says on the slide that he just hasn't made a wine good enough to name
1: after himself yet. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm, looking for, I'm looking forward to having a taste of Jules 46 when it comes out.
0: Absolutely.
1: Um, mate, what's it like over there at the moment? Are you guys in lockdown? Are you guys in restrictions? What's it?
0: The... Yeah, we are in lockdown, mate. Yeah, we went in about six weeks after Sydney. But yeah, since that Delta variant's gone a bit um, viral out west as well. So we've been in lockdown, um, unfortunately, for about a month now. So um, the footy season's been canned as well, just before finals, which is a bit frustrating. We're um, I had our old club on top of the ladder going to the finals. So that was a... Bit of a kick in the guts. So they're still hoping to get it um, some sort of final series going in a month, but uh, it's looking pretty slim at the moment, unfortunately. But um, yeah, we just uh, yeah, I think we're the same as Sydney now. Obviously, the cellar door is a little bit quiet um, with the lockdown, but it's enabled Dad and myself to just get stuck into the property and um, get the vineyard and the, and the farm looking really good for spring.
1: Mate, you just mentioned the, the local team back then. Um, are you still involved in coaching and playing us still?
0: Yeah, mate. Yeah, so I've signed on as uh, captain coach of. of Orange Sims, which is my junior club, um, who are some other ones, I think Jackie Whiten's played for Orange Sims, Jimmy Maloney played for the old the old club, so um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's been really rewarding coming back actually and um, giving back, I guess, to the club that, that started my career at and um, it's been, I've enjoyed the coaching side a lot more than I thought actually, a lot of the young boys are really keen and we've got a good young squad coming through and hopefully you know begin to build um the club for the future I'm not sure how long I my body will last but um mm. but uh hopefully um teach the boys as much as they can and they can uh run with it and, and hopefully be quite successful
2: what are some of the standout aspects of coaching that you experienced through your career that you're applying now to your gig
0: yeah I I you know I was fortunate enough, um yeah you know, to play at a few clubs under some very good coaches so I'll, even when I was playing I I had a diary which I sort of um just to fill out and and of really good drills or structures or moves throughout the years because I've got a hopeless memory as Timmy would know so I, I need to write everything down that I want to remember. Yeah. Um, but I've got a diary that I knew I'd probably use it one day and, and it's been really beneficial. It's um, I think the biggest thing I've found in coaching is it, it can't be your way or the highway. You really have to have an individual relationship with all the players and some some players will react to this certain um, method. Other other players you need to be a bit more creative around your coaching methods, so that's what I found the best coaches being able to do is really just man manage and um, and have everyone believe in you. You know, you got to lead. You know, I'm, I'm captain and coaching, so yeah. I guess you have to lead from the front as well. So have, have everyone have faith in you that that whilst you're coaching, you're, you're you're you know backing your own word up.
1: Well, you were that kind of personality when you were playing. I remember playing with you, and you're very um, you're the organizer of a team. You'd you'd be very um, you communicated really well in the field. Um, and even just when we needed someone to talk, you know, after a trial before a game, you'd always communicate really well. Is that something you see yourself wanting to look into more, coaching? Is that something that you want to make a career of one day?
0: Yeah, I'm not sure. Look, I'm really I'm enjoying it a lot more than I thought. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm just happy at the moment with giving back to my old club. And if it, if it would go any further, maybe I would consider it. I, I really enjoy it. But, um, yeah, more so just um having a plan and and putting into action you know as a player i guess you have your own plan going to a game but as a, as a coach it's not so much how you play it's how you make everyone else play around you or, or how you make the team play and that's been quite rewarding um having a plan um going with it that week and having it come off is is quite rewarding um, when the rest of the team buy into it so um yeah look I, I i've really enjoyed it so far who knows what's what's down the track but um you know i'm just learning learning every day and um yeah,
1: just enjoying uh, enjoying being back with some you know, good young country lads. Yeah, nice. Um, mate, You when you retired, you um, talked about you know how injuries play a bit of a part in that. How's the body now? Is it still struggling or is it not too bad?
0: Yeah, no. yeah. I, my last year, I think, yeah, the, my last year at the Titans, I had a hamstring reattachment so that put me out for about 10 ah, or 12 months. Um, yeah. Then I had two MCLs and then I went over to England and had a bicep reattachment. so... You know, I was pretty fortunate early in my career. I played eight years in the NRL with without missing a game through injury. So, wow. um, you know, I was pretty fortunate. But obviously, yeah, the back end of my career, the the body was telling me it was time. Unfortunately, so you got to you got to listen to your body because it's a uh, it's a long life after footy, as Dad always said. Yeah. And, um, but uh, no, look, I'm holding up all right. Yeah, you know, a bit so I don't uh, I definitely don't play like I did when I was 21. I, I uh, tend to uh, direct and kick and pass uh, and and uh, it's the beauty about being a captain coach. You can put yourself on the wing in defence and not make too many <laughs> suckers. But,
1: no one's tough. So I, you uh,
0: I, I, I pretty much play in a dinner suit. I'm, I'm the definition of that. But, uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, it's good. I always do that anyway. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. mate, let's, let's talk about your career for a second. Like it's it's a pretty incredible career. Like people forget that you you won a premiership. Like it's a it's huge achievement. It's um, it's something that you know. Well, I never got to experience, but there's so many players that play their whole career and play long careers without ever touching or tasting that. Uh to me about your two grand final experiences and what were they what were they both like? Obviously, you know, I experienced the first one with you, but um, what was it like to win one as well?
0: Yeah, look, I mean, 2009, I think we had the conversation with my family. If I could go back and live one year again, that would probably be it. Oh, Even yeah. though we lost the grand final, you know, Timmy, it was just... 100%. such a whirlwind wide um, and we both debuted I think a week out from each other yeah. or you, know, you debuted things think start of the year but um, yeah you know, it was sort of yeah we went from halfway through the year coming 14th I think and we had to win a ridiculous amount of our last games and we just got this role on and it just happened it was really fun exciting style of footy um, and you know filling up Parra Park I, I did see a video a highlights video last year of, of that year and it, and it brought back some goosebumps and some good memories Um but yeah, and then um, obviously moving to the Roosters, yeah, it was tough. I think I might have been, you know, talking about how how fortunate, sort of right place and right time. I think I might have been the only one from that, twenty nineteen, that actually got 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 to go win one, which I feel very fortunate about. But um, yeah, twenty thirteen, yeah, you know, Trent Robinson arrived at the Roosters, um, and within the first month, he just he just delivered everything so confidently, even though he was a sort of an um, experienced coach um, he just had this presence about him we'll talk about man managing before yeah. um, and just within the first month um, obviously we had a few signings that helped him James Maloney Michael Jennings and Sonny Bill definitely stiffened up our team but apart from that it was the same team from the year before and Daniel Mortimer. Sorry. but yeah Robbo
1: some key players: Sonny Bill yeah
0: and then yeah we um, just had this conference going into the season Um and he just encouraged us to keep our head down, work hard, and don't worry about the outside world. It's, um, you know, focusing on, on the Roosters. And he was a, really big on being a part of the club. He wanted to be a big part of the club, the history of the club. And if, you knew if you didn't buy in, then you, you'd be on the outer. So everyone bought in. And within, um, yeah, like I said, end of that year, um, we were holding up the trophy, which was um, a great, great experience, especially having lost one. Um, would have been a bit sour having lost two. But, um yeah, fortunate enough to to get a ring in the end, which is um, very exciting.
1: You wouldn't have celebrated very much, would you? No, not me. You know me, mate. I was a <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, uh,
0: funny memory of that week. Actually, we had the presentation night on the Wednesday night. Yeah. Um, and for a for a grand final winning presentation night, it was probably the most tame night I've ever had because we'd gone out Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and by the time Wednesday came around, everyone was just gone. So we had players sort of falling asleep at the table, all the sponsors and, <laughs> and, and girlfriends and all stuff were all dressed up for the, for the um, presentation night. But yeah, the boys had just, we'd had enough. We already put ourselves to bed. <laughs> Did
2: you, um, what was it that stood out to you about the culture of that um, premiership side?
0: Yeah, I think um, it's just, I think just we kept it really close knit. Like we, we, we didn't worry about anything outside the team. Um, and it's hard to do these days in, in rugby league. There's so much you have to sort of be concerned with. But Robo was just really good at at making sure that those guys in the shed were all on the same page. Um, and we looked after, we socialised a lot together as a club. We used to go after captain's run. Every captain's run, we'd go for lunch together. You know, obviously the Roosters, you gonna have a lot of contacts around that. East suburbs area. So it was just a really close-knit, club and and you just really wanted to win for each other and um and yeah rollo could just he you know, him and his coaching team and Craig Fitzgibbon and, and jason taylor as well they're just all on the same page and it was sort of either buy in or you're on the outer i think that's what must be similar with what storm do you know for example you see players go down there on the on the verge of their career either fading or and they just buy in it's sort of you've got to buy in or move on or they move you on and and that's what the successful clubs do, I believe. So that was definitely what Robbo has been able to achieve at the Roosters.
1: You had a pretty special relationship with Robbo. I remember when you retired, um, you know, your mum was organising a bit of a get-together back in Orange. And, and Robbo, made it, did he make the trip out to Orange as well for that?
0: Yeah, yeah. Robbo came out for my um, surprise retirement party, which, which was awesome. But yeah, look, my, my first interaction with Robbo was I actually asked for a release. I was at uh, Roosters 2012. Yeah. Played a few games like about half the year in NRL um for Brian Smith. And then Titans came knocking at the end of two thousand twelve and um this new coach came in and I had I'd yet to meet him but I wrote him an email saying, Oh look, I've got this opportunity to go to the Titans, they want me to the starting seven, can I go? And he sort of goes, Oh, I'll come in to office tomorrow, I'll have a chat and I I had never met him before. This is his first like second day in, but it had to happen quick, as you know, in the NRL world. Um so our first conversation was I went into his office and he goes, nah, so you're still kind of here. You're not going. And he sort of said, I know you don't know me well, but I know you. You're not my type of player and um, you're not going anyway. <laughs> and so it sort of took me back a fair bit. So I, I it was surprised me. So I shook his hand and walked out. And But it was a good feeling, obviously, after the, the last year or two at Parramatta. And, and, you know, I just that sort of feeling being wanted by a coach again was a nice feeling. So I was like, all right, all right, I'm, I'm in. Yeah. And then, um, you know, 2013, I went and played every single game and and won a grand final. So I gave him a big hug after, and he goes, Are "You glad you stayed, mate?" So, <laughs> yeah, I owe him for that one. But uh, yeah, and we've you know, we've had a you know, a good relationship since. And even when I ended up leaving, yeah. um, we left on good terms. And I don't know many players who have ever left the Roosters on bad terms with Robbo. He's just um, he's that type of bloke that you you understand why he makes his decisions. Um, but he communicates it really well to you so yeah, yeah he's been out to modern 's Wines a few times he's, he's, a, he's a frequent loves his wine
1: yeah it's funny you mention that about the Roosters I actually use them as an example all the time I talk about I think these days in modern sport there's a real lack of um, culture you know, Roosters have that ability that, like, even, even if play gets, gets moved on from there they get moved on and they still consider the Roosters their home and that's a club they love and they they always feel welcome there and um it's it's a rare thing to happen in professional sport these days, and unfortunately a lot of teams don't have that nailed. They don't have that right. They a lot of players leave and they leave, you know, bitter at the club or bitter at circumstances and they don't have that relationship with the club, which is just a real shame. But Roosters has seen to have that nailed. I think Melbourne's another one that had it right, nailed, and it's no coincidence that they're the clubs that are always so successful as well.
0: Yeah, look at and Roosters before Robo arrived, Roosters had a bit of a reputation of being a
1: you know, transit lounge.
0: players coming in, collecting cash, going. So, yeah, you know, he's done a really great job to, to set up that. You know, it's a real home now, and all the players um, feel at home there. I know my my wife Taz. She, she's a Roosters fan for life now because how they how they treated her and brought her into the club yeah. better than any, any other club has done. So, you know, she she sits on the TV now and breaks for the Roosters for that reason. She um, they really made an effort for all the girls to be welcome to the club. It was really. A family um if you know it starts from Nick Pollard you know you, you see yeah. his he's head around he knows every player he knows most partners um so yeah. it very much starts from the top which is you know Nick's been there for 40 years they'll build a statue of him when when he goes cuz um he's you know given more to like rugby league in that club probably than anyone but um and obviously Robbo um you know oh. he had his yeah he has his um his influence on the club and like I was before, you you either buy into it or you or you fall away, but um yeah, you can see a majority of players buy into it and that's why they've been very successful.
1: Yeah, you, you touched on Parramatta just before in your time. Yeah you, you went through a really rough patch after that. you know, you had a few a year or two of you know, in the limelight and it was amazing. And then for whatever reason people started to judge you based on your pay packet rather than, you know, you as a person or a player and um, it was, yeah, kind of really felt for you going through that time. But how did you find it? You know, the spirit of sport. We, we talk every player's got their own story and their own journey. We we always ask how they kind of found um, going through a bit of a tough track. How, how did you find it, and what helped you get through it?
0: Yeah, look, it, it was tough. Obviously, after two thousand nine, um, you know, I sort of played every game. I Was part of that run. Um, and yeah, like you know, I think we went to next year as favourites for some for some crazy reason, and I just extended, so I was sort of seen as as every player gets cursed as the next next Peter Sterling. But um, yeah, yeah, and it, it was tough. There was some there were some pretty dark times at, at promo. You sort of um, you know yeah, you do. Um, I just I guess I first started to overthink and, and and play less and less instinctively, which was which was you know probably the best part of my game was that instinctive play and i think yeah. whether it got coached out of me or whether i thought about the game too much and looked too sure but um you know i definitely um i definitely struggled to recapture that form of of 2009 but i think that was more so the way we were playing as well um in 2009 really you know the offload yeah, and the off tough yeah. play um it really suited my style so going to a probably more structured um i think i moved into half back as well which was a, was another sort of change for me so yeah look there was from very dark moments you know in that next year or two with um, with trying to obviously keep my dream alive um, so I think that probably the, the lowest point for me I remember um, you know Steve Kearney came and as you do as a new coach you you have your own ideas and you brought in Chris Sandow and but um, I remember yeah, late in 2011 it was um, I was still contracted I think um, I got dropped back to Wenty and I was playing really good footy I had a you know, good attitude I went back played played some um, good footy with Wente. and then I think late in the year a few of the halves went down who were in, who we'd put in front of me and then I think I think the second last game uh, he played Luke Bird at halfback and out no sorry who was uh, yeah, Luke Bird at halfback and someone else at 5'8 who had never played there before and I just got to thinking okay well maybe maybe my time here is done at the club unfortunately Um and uh but you know like i said i sort of you know like, right let's start again and that was sort of my attitude i go okay let's let's go somewhere i'm still only 23 years old let's go somewhere sign for another club top manager and let's just start again and yeah. then i got the fresh start of the roosters and and two years later i had a premiership ring so yeah. <laughs> um you know it was, it was a bit of a i was content you know i sort of stuck at it you know a lot of players sort of fade away into obscurity um you know, and and I've sort of had to reinvent myself a couple of times. But yeah. um, you know, I wouldn't be sitting here talking about 150 career game if I if I hadn't.
2: Yeah. Looking back on it now, that dark time that you talk about, um, you know, now as an established, you know, older older guy who's been through a through a bit more, what what do you reckon would have yeah. would have really helped in that time? Um, I don't know. I think.
0: I think if, I, if I'd sort of maybe moved or, or Robbo was at the of the year before um, a bit earlier, a bit younger, I might have sort of developed a bit more. But yeah, I, I don't know. I sort of, you get stuck in sort of that, you know, that quicksand where you, the harder you, sometimes the harder you try, the less things come off. So I was sort of, I was training harder and doing more than I ever was those years that I was I was struggling. Yeah. Um, um and it was a bit of a lesson, yeah. And a lot of people use um, James Maloney as an example of being a terrible trainer, and um, and it was a, it was a really good lesson for me that Roos is actually he. And like I said, I would go try win every training. I put a huge emphasis on training, but it would probably take from my take away from my understanding of the game, learning the game. I thought, okay, if I can run fast, run, you know, win fitness, lift as heavy as I can, um, I'd be a better player, mm-hmm. but um, then I sort of I was I, I remember learning under sort of James Maloney at the Roosters and he, and um, yeah he'd sort of somewhat half-assed at weights you know he'd never go too hard in he knew he had it but he never went too hard in fitness mm. but what he did was he, he watched his video he just thought about the game all the time in in a pose and that's where I think I oh, wish I'd learned that lesson a bit earlier um, maybe not trying to win everything and and just get to know the game because the, you know the best players are the best players, especially in the halves, it's your job to be, job to be creative, not, not strong or powerful. Or, and you see the best halves, they're not necessarily strong and powerful and fast. They're, they're creative. And, and uh, yeah, I wish I'd probably learned that lesson a little bit earlier.
2: Yeah. Um, resilience and grit is just a standout, a few standout characteristics of your career. Um, and it got you through that time and it got you 150 games. Uh, where, did, where did you develop that, that grit and, and tenacity?
0: Yeah, I think being one of five boys probably helps. I was, I was you know the <laughs> yeah. fourth of five brothers, so you you literally yeah. had to fight for your food on the table. So. Oh, good. <laughs> um yeah, no, it was uh yeah, I mean uh, uh, dad's dad's by far the hardest worker and the you know best sort of moral man that I've ever ever known. Mm. Um so you know he was sort of really big on inf- you know the setting the the standard of what it takes to be in our family, and obviously the name brought a bit of weight, weight about it as well. Yeah, um, you know the last name. Dad would always say it takes it takes, uh, it takes you know, years to to develop a good reputation, and ten seconds to lose it. Yeah, and um, I felt um, you know having dad and the uncles gain such a good reputation, not just on the field, but off the field as well. Yeah. I think it's something that my brothers and I, and cousins, and, and et cetera we just sort of we wanted to look after the name, and it wasn't from any pressure from the inside or anything. It was just that they'd done, they'd built up this um, Mortimer name as being one that's respected, and, and I think we all wanted to do our bit for that. And I guess, yeah, I just wanted to do it proud early on, especially that was just, especially coming to Sydney, people sort of see your name and and um, you know make comparisons or whatever. But you just you just you wanted to do the name proud, I guess, and. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was a big motivation behind um, behind making it for one, and then the resilience and stuff. I mean, I think they were, they were habits, like I said, of, of growing up with with four brothers. Um, you know, you you couldn't um, there was no time for uh, soaking <laughs> That made, that's probably easiest
1: way to put it. Yeah. Uh, what, what was it like growing up? You know, with the Mortimer's last name. You know, obviously such history in that name. Did you ever feel any expectation yeah. or pressure? No, you know
0: what, I, I didn't not not from in not from in house anyway. Um yep. you know, obviously that name, especially you know, we'll sort of grow up through the nineties, that dad and uncles have only just retired in the eighties, so it was still especially through the nineties, it was still a very household name. Probably less so now with the younger generation coming through, but um but still that that age you, you, and there's not many Mortimers around, so you'd say your last name and, and most people are like, Oh, are you the football mortimers like so yeah. People knew who your family were, and um, you know that was it. That was uh, it carried a bit of weight, obviously, but but at the same time it was all we ever knew as well. So it sort of, um, it wasn't all you know, all of a sudden thrust upon us. It was sort of, you know, when we loved we loved doing the name proud and, and trying to, um, you know keep that sort of uh, family name sort of and respect going. But um, but yeah, that, I, I didn't I didn't even when I first moved to Sydney a lot of people in the papers would bent around, okay, there's a young woman coming through, et cetera. But um I never really felt the pressure. Um uh or I felt expectation, uh, but I didn't feel pressure, if that makes sense. Yeah. there's no pressure from the family to perform. Yeah, you know, a lot of my cousins and stuff went did other things. Yeah. Obviously my, my love was love was rugby league and, and um I pursued that. But um yeah no, I, I um yeah, very proud of, of, of what the dad and uncles achieved, and and proud to proud to hold that surname for
1: sure. I remember when you first got signed a para as a kid. Were you coming up just a couple of days a week, but then like, so you train one or two days and play?
0: Yeah, so year twelve, I did. I, I wanted to finish school in in Orange, so I I finished school, um, did year twelve um, in Orange. But I, every Friday, I'd miss school and, and drive up and, and train with your brother Johnny and
1: um, and the boys and and play Saturday, then come back. What was that like as a transition so the, like going from the, the country to the big smoke?
0: Oh uh, yeah you know, it, it was great you know, I'm, I'm really glad Parry allowed me to do it because it allowed me as a country boy and I see it all the time even now we've got young country boys who get pulled out of the country when they're 16, 17 and, and they struggle you know, it's a massive change so that just allowed me um, to come up make some friends and, and you know before I came up fully the next year yeah. go into an environment where I already knew a heap of boys I knew somewhat the structure it was a sort of a slow transition which, which I think made me you know, I don't know how I would have coped if I was just plucked out of the bush and, and stuck in the middle of Sydney
1: Yeah, it's, um, it's, a big, it's a big jump but I felt like you, you fit in straight away and you were, it was like you, you'd been there for years when you first came um, like, If you look back in your career is there a moment that stands out that you, know, you look back and think oh, that was the moment that I realised I was going to become a professional player Like, was, was there an age where you thought I'm going to keep going here?
0: Oh look, yeah, I didn't make many. I didn't make many rep teams as a kid. I was, I was obviously really small, still am, but um, still waiting to hit puberty. But um, <laughs> there was, um, that just a year. It was a year when I was seventeen. I didn't make many rep teams, and seventeen, um, I made a, I made a country team, and it just seemed to. I was watching sort of friends and, and other players get picked up by clubs, and I kept hearing about you how know, this person be picked up by Canberra and this person being picked up by Penrith, and. I felt like it's funny. You're only so young, but you feel like at that at, a, at that age, if you haven't made it by then, you're done. It's because you hear all these players, other players, sort of associated with clubs, and you think, jeez, like when's my time going to come? I need to I need to make it happen." And all of a sudden, um, yeah, seventeen, I played. I made a Western Division side. From then, on, I got picked up by the a i s Then Rod Reddy, who went to the AIS saw me and picked me up at Parry. And Just within six months, and then I ended up making Australian Schoolboys. It was at it was a real sort of year that i that I just developed, and obviously the rewards came off the back of that, but um in terms of um I felt like I made it. I think it was after um my second game we played up in Newcastle and we and we beat newcastle um i I put a grubber through and stuff for we on at the, at the end to to win the game and I came back to Para and the next day I was walking just through um Albert Park there near the Parramackers, and there's a guy who goes oh why if to take a photo and he had a little kid with him, so I was like, Okay and I went to grab the little kid off him because I thought like he wanted he wanted to take a photo with his kid but he goes, No, no, no I want a photo with you, so he made his kid take it and I was like <laughs> that was sort of like oh this is this is this is new, yeah, yeah is. and yeah. then obviously obviously the rest of that year was, was a whirlwind.
1: Well that was a Newcastle game, was that one where we scored a try as well?
0: Yeah, it was, yeah, that was one year we That was a yeah, good day. Yeah, uh, it. yeah, it was a it was a good day and um yeah, that was a big that was a big moment in my career. Actually, it was um, it was when I felt like yeah, okay, this is I can do this.
1: Yeah, no, that was. And I'm a lot like you. I think 2009. If I if I could replay one year, it would be that one because I just it was just a, it was this a buzz for that whole season. Um, it was. I probably took it for granted though. Looking back now, I'm like it just felt easy. You just felt like it was going to happen every year. And then um, you were there. I
0: mean, it. yeah, you were you were 21. I was 20. It was sort of you know it was, but. It was a whirlwind, yeah, like I said, it feels like a movie I've watched now. I don't feel like I lived it. It feels like a it
1: feels like a movie I've watched a long time ago. Yeah. yeah no, 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 I what you're trying to explain to the team like to the team for like years and later, explain how the city reacts to when you're going well. Because oh, we never really had know, success yeah. for years and years after that. So a lot of the young yeah. guys that came yeah. through, they didn't know what it feels like when Paramount is flying and um it's it was a hard thing to, yeah, yeah. to explain to them.
0: Well, obviously, you know, I remember clearly after the Bulldogs game um, to make the grand final, coming back into Para. Nice, and I is know, that a nice snake to right coach, right? Right? <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. right. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky I got one; otherwise, we'll be
1: on you, <laughs> So this is like this is Morty's game. It's he's playing the yeah. Bulldogs. It's it's a you know a lot of history with the family. Yeah. You know, he should have been a Bulldog. Everyone was saying, yeah. and it was, it was the biggest crowd that has been at a non-grand final, and it was huge seventy-eight thousand, I think. It was. Still ever,
2: yeah.
1: Wow. Anyway, at a pivotal time of the game, so Jared Hayne was untouchable that year. Yeah. And he makes a little bit of a half break and he goes to throw the ball to Daniel Mortimer who would have scored untouched over yeah. the try line. And out of nowhere, a young 21-year-old Lebanese oh, stallion just pl- pl- plucks the ball from me there <laughs> and uh, snakes Daniel. But lucky he scored a try it on. And... So, I just
0: saw this big set of eyebrows inside <laughs> me <laughs>
2: A big blur <laughs> the, the, of eyebrows little
0: just come and just <laughs> Hold the ball And uh, no, it, was a, it was a good moment
1: uh, <laughs> Yeah, that was a good times um, What's it going with the family now? So tell us a little bit of an update How's, how's Taz? It, how's, it, how's the family life?
0: Yeah Yeah, family's really well Yeah, I've um, yeah, got the wife out here in Orange We our, our little girl just turned two, Amelia So cool. yeah, she's, she's kept me busy But yeah, it's a lot of fun And um yeah, two of my brothers are still out here. They've uh they're playing with the local side as well, so I'm technically their coach, which is which has been interesting. But um that was part of the reason my whole career wanting to come back. You know, during my career they were always in my ear saying, You gotta finish with a year or two out here and so good. Um Yeah, so I'm enjoying that. Um and yeah, dad and mum, they're, they're full time at the winery now, so they're uh they're busy. Now orange has just gone crazy. It's uh orange has always been really big for food and produce. Um yeah. But now the wine has joined it. The last, the last sort of 15, 20 years, it's really become a destination, and the the city's just exploded. And um, it's uh, obviously that you know the, the winery's um, going outside of lockdown. It's going really well. We're getting to welcome a lot of people out here and, and taste through the wine range. And um, yeah, it's just and it's just consumed that. He he absolutely loves it. He dipped his toe in it 20 years ago, and and it was the best decision I think he's ever done. He absolutely. Loves mm. the industry and um and it's yeah you know, it's reflected in in his passion and, and and the quality of the wines um reflect that
1: so many pros and cons about mortimers of orange because you go there it's a great setup <laughs> you get to have some of the best wine in the country it's a really cool spot to stay the, the flip side of that is they got to have uh, young Daniel Mortimer chewing their ear off so' <laughs> 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 a good
0: absolutely end mate No. Nope. Not many people come for me though, like we <laughs> like yeah. the old footy fans that like, well Dad's got it from his old Bulldogs memorabilia up right? but um,
1: yeah they're uh, Dad, a,
0: dad's definitely the star of the show out there, not me.
1: It's a it's a pretty it's an interesting crowd that come. Are they actually proper wine and Thursday Sunday?
0: Yeah they are, yeah, well it's it's a long way out, so you sort of you know, it's it's not the hunter where you just duck away for a weekend. Yeah, it's it's you know, a fair way, especially for Sydney size, which is I reckon eighty percent of our visitors uh, have been from Sydney this yeah. year. Um so, yeah, it's not too far anymore. I remember, um, you know, the uh, you, know, you boys coming out um, to me with the young boys. I, I, I think the first time you came out, yeah. we, we did. It was, we used to do Sunday lunches. That's how it all started. Actually. Yeah, that's we, right. Yep. There was a little para group with um, Johnny. Um, so those boys used to go to each other's parents' house at the time because we were only 17 for Sunday and, lunches. could
1: cook, so, yeah.
0: All of a sudden, it was my it was my turn. So um, the boys came out to Orange, and uh, we had a we had a fairly large weekend. Um, but I, you know, we went back to Sydney. I wasn't sure how well how much the boys actually liked it. Without being polite, but sure enough, every every buy round after that, the boys would yeah. say, "Mort, what are you doing for the buy?" I was like, "Oh, I'm going home." They're like, "Well, do we get an invite?"
2: Or what? So <laughs> it was like that became a bit of a thing. An Australian day tradition as well, years. wasn't it? We did Australian yeah, day trip yeah.
1: there as well. I remember Jules's yeah, uh, say, Anzac cookies, Benny. Yeah. And uh the the school at out the front born in uh, uh it was nineteen sixty six was it? 1966? 1866. 1866. There's a school there's a school yeah. there from eighteen sixty six being there oh, you go. Gosh. A lot of history there. Yeah, yeah, yeah
0: that, that's that's our philodor, so it's a, it's a great little setup. Um yeah. you've done
1: a great job, but uh yeah.
0: yeah, it's a, a pumping little town at the moment. You got to get it back out here, Timmy.
1: Morty, uh, mate, I will get out there the second this. I, I'm yeah. gone. I'm starting to get a little bit crazy. I've been good so far. It's the week ten, I think, of lockdown. Yeah, and I've been. Yeah. We, we're pretty fortunate. I get to come in and do some media. I get a. I get out of my house every day and go to my job because I'm apparently essential. Um, so I don't, <laughs> I'm not going. But it just hit me this week. I'm like, I need to get out of Sydney. I need. I need, a, I need an escape. Um so yeah, yeah, orange is on, on my to-do list. Oh mate, understand. there'll be a, there'll be a, there'll be fire and some jewels too waiting for you <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> uh I just I just actually remembering the story of uh the time your your hat accidentally fell on the fire, but we'll say save that for off air. Oh yeah, accident <laughs>
2: accidentally, yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh mate, it's the time of the show now that everyone tunes in yes, for all our do. listeners. On yeah. air, they tune in at this time. There's a spike in the
2: attendance. When
1: this, the podcast comes out, they just fast forward oh. with all the other content to get to this part. Yeah, it's can, the 60-second oh. blitz with, with blitz. blitz. That's oh, yeah. right.
2: Now, I'm nervous. Now, yeah, I'm just going to fire 60 seconds at you yeah, or uh, about, about 60 uh, questions, and you've just got to answer the first thing that comes to your head, all right? We just want some insight into, <laughs> oh, geez, the, all right. yeah, into the Daniel Board <laughs> Regime. All right, first thing. Okay, favourite food. Let's go. Come on. Start nice and easy. Uh, steak. Steak. Okay, now... Do you have a weird habit that no one would know that you do?
0: Oh, uh, not anyone. Anyway. I, I, I pick I pick the hair off my off my uh, neck and chin. It's a habit that I've had since I was oh, about eighteen. Oh yeah, right, uh, yeah, and, I and, doing uh, that. It it drives the missus crazy. So <laughs> I mean, uh, she's going to buy me. She's going to buy me laser hair removal for my birthday. She reckons yeah. for
1: your three hairs.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm still. That's, that's why I can't grow a good beard, Timmy. That's why. That's why. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's the reason.
2: Now, if you could meet anyone. Anyone on the earth, who would, you, who would you take some time to meet?
0: Oh, geez. Um, uh, okay. Um, probably Jessica Alba. Oh, yes, <laughs> I, think yes. I think she's really interesting. Sorry, <laughs>
2: yeah. Taz. Epic personality. <laughs> yeah. Um, now, listen, you've been on a few dates throughout your life. Um, can you yep. can just tell us a bit about your worst date? Just the one that just didn't go well.
0: My worst date. Ah, yeah. um, oh, I, I think I did tell this story actually while on the three show, but it still haunts me. Um,
2: <laughs> well, it was yeah. my
0: first date. First date was one of my first dates with my wife. Um, yeah. We were driving. We were driving. I was driving her car from home. No, she was driving her car back from Dreamworld because she was Gold Coast girl. I was up there for the weekend, and her car was a bit. She thought her tire was a bit flat, so she was sort of. Um, she said. Oh, I think it's a bit hard to steer. I think my tyres flat. And I was like, oh yeah, just just pull over. I'll take care of it. Like, and um, you know, acting all sort of macho, which I, I mean, I know nothing about cars. So <laughs> I told her to pull into the servo and pull up to the, um, the the pump air. And I was like, oh yeah, no, look, it's it's down at twenty four. You got to have it up to forty something. I hadn't. But I thought, you know, I'll just bluff my way through. She can't know much about cars, so I put the uh, I put the the um, the pipe on the wheel, and I was sort of just talking crap, going, oh, yep, there we go, um, 24, 28, 32. there we go, yeah, oh, and I felt it, oh, that's much better, just as I said that, she pulled up a sign next to the thing that said out of, and I, Dan, it says out of order, <laughs> so I,
2: so I uh, yeah, that was a uh, Tail between oh. the legs, uh, for sure. Oh, my gosh, uh, <laughs> how long had you been dating at that point?
0: Oh, that was like second date, that was like, oh, after, yeah, beautiful. yeah, second
1: date, so that was very early on, so, yeah. And, yeah, and he's punching let's, oh. let's, let's, let's not better in the bush he's punching let's be, <laughs> let's be honest
2: okay um best investment you've ever made
1: best investment
2: yeah um
0: oh it's a tough one I, I guess I guess like my um probably the best investment in my sort of life or career was my teaching degree nice. um um, yeah, like obviously it was tough to do during my time, but, right. um, but coming out of footy, I was sort of, yeah, would have been a bit lost. So I've got a teaching degree behind me, which I can always fall back on. Um, you know, I definitely want to try some other things. I don't know if I want to teach forever, but it's, uh, it's, there is a safety net. So in terms of investment in my, in my lifestyle, I think, I think that was a, that was a smart one. I was proud that I, I pursued with that. Awesome. And a,
2: and a worst investment?
1: Worst investment? A unit in Parramatta? <laughs> What's that? <laughs>
0: um, yeah, probably. Jeez, I don't know. Um,
1: that's a hard question. You know, I'm to you jump know, jumping for yeah, you. It is that's, hard hard. It. that's a hard question. What's the best spot? I know we go deep, but
0: signing with the, sign the Titans—they <laughs> 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 they, call they, they the NRL graveyard for a reason. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. glad we waited. Had, had the best, had the best two years of my life up there, but uh, didn't play a great footy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So,
1: um, <laughs> but hey, you, you you know you're with your missus. That's loving love Exactly. Yeah. No, I got,
0: got, I got, yeah, I didn't lose. Didn't we lose, we yeah.
1: live on the water out there as well.
0: Yeah, still got my house up there. Yeah, that's that's um, it's a, yeah, it's a nice spot. We'll, we might end up there. I don't know if we if we do move from Orange, that'll that'll be our um, our, our
1: next spot. Mortimers of Orange on the Gold Coast. You never know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. yeah.
2: So what's next for Daniel Mortimer? What are we, what are we looking at here next five years?
1: Yeah,
0: next five, I'm not sure. I'm, so I'm obviously, I'm still teaching two days in Orange, um, yeah. but I'm working with that on the winery, which I'm really enjoying, just that um, that experience. Um, yeah, yeah. The next sort of five five or so years for me will just be about getting out there and, and learning as much as I can. Um, I'm really enjoying the wine industry as well. So whether it be um, transitioning into that or, or start a business, um, I've got my teaching degree behind me as well. So next five years for me is probably... Um, try to get through the next year or two, um, footy-wise, with um, get my body through, um, pass on the reins to some young country boys out here, and um, and just learn, learn some learn some business sense, um, learn more about wine and 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 um, viticulture, and and just you know, open my horizons a bit for for the long working life we still have ahead of us. Not not all of us all of us can just fall straight into the media like uh
1: the... <laughs> <laughs> right, we I've got a good head for radio. You've actually yeah. got a beautiful head for T V <laughs> mate. You'll you'll be fine. The old Mortimer I think on yeah. win channel nine win yeah. over in Orange maybe. I could, Um I could see uh, uh, no, sure, Actually uh, yeah. your brother Robbie what's um what's what's he doing? He's he's a singer He's a musician. He
0: he uh yeah he plays he's uh he's in a in a band out here and he plays a lot of gigs. They're very popular actually. They're uh, so he's obviously hurting through lockdown but um yep. No, he's uh he he basically just goes around the state and chases a good time, so
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs> Tough
0: life. Not a bad lie. I might just I might just sign up his his air air guitar or something, not plug in but
1: just um the guitar <laughs> and, and have fun. <laughs> um tell, tell our listeners, I I know I know Mortimer's of Wine is a is a pretty boutique kind of wine, but if they wanted to um to buy it or get involved so obviously they can go to Orange directly. Um is there any other way they can get their hands on it?
0: Yeah, there is, yeah. So we um on Instagram and Facebook and, and the like we've got um you know, at just at Mortimer's wine um you know we do deliver so you know we've done a, we've done a, some deliveries through lockdown so if anyone is is looking for wine um you know dad does, obviously does a great job we're a smaller winery so we're able to really um focus on quality um yeah. and the stuff coming out of orange at the moment is is unbelievable orange is it's really um really launching into a, a new yeah um new echelon in terms of the wine that's coming out of here. So yeah, we're 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 part of that. It's been um it's been a long road, but Dad's you know it's been twenty five years now, so Dad he knows what he's doing. Um and um yeah, so you can order online as well. There's um you know just more than his wines in Google. And yeah. um you know yeah. we can deliver or you can order online. But uh I'm looking forward to get back out on the road and, and delivering some wine actually. Mm-hmm. It's uh it's a nice it's not the hardest thing to sell wine. You have to sell door people generally come happy and they leave happier. So yeah, I've uh, nice.
1: really enjoyed the uh, joy the industry. Um, and if, if there's an owner or, or a manager of a function center or something, can they for events? Do you guys do like events as well?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, with, with something events is something we've sort of just launched into as well. A lot of us even, you know, Dad or myself will come to an event and sort of taste our wine at the event. So that's sort of a service that not many other people. Um, um, offer, but um, yeah, definitely looking you know, and open to getting into that event style once everything kicks off again. Hopefully next year, um, you know the um, the quality of our wine. Like I said, we don't stock bottle chains and that. We we sort of we we hold back for the for the events and and um, you know the cellar door and online yeah. stuff. So yeah, so like it's just as, as easy as, as googling us.
1: That's that's it these days, isn't it? You just thankfully enough you can find it all pretty easy. It's awesome, mate, and gee, it was so good to hear your voice. Um, you know, there's there's I've been pretty lucky to play with some amazing guys, but uh, you know, my time with you and the friendship that we have now that you know will last forever. It's just you're a kind of guy that um, souls the earth kind of guy, but you're just such a good, good mate, yeah. talented guy, um, genuine, and um, we're just so honored that you've given us your time. Um, we look forward to making the trip to uh, Orange very soon. And I know I was joking around before about more to chewing your ear off, but dead set if there's if you can go to if you can go to a, a winery get on the get on the wines and have someone like daniel serving you and, and hanging out and chatting with you it's a it's a good weekend away so i highly recommend it for everyone dan thanks again brother thank you thanks man i tell you are
0: feeling all right you ne- you've never seen any noise about me like that. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'll, uh, I'll send the invoice after the, yeah. After the show yeah
0: yeah exactly yeah. no nah, mate absolutely pleasure nah. Thanks for having me on the show. It's been good to to catch up and uh, looking forward to sharing a a wine, mate, soon.
1: Legend. Thanks, Morty.
0: All of my good, mate. See ya. When making the double chicken deluxe at Macca's, we wanted to improve on the perfect combo of tender
2: Aussie chicken with cheese, tomato and aioli. So, we doubled it. Chicken and Macca's together and loving it. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Available after 10.30am for a limited time only.